Well, there were a lot of surprises for this week because uh, <clears throat> we had an original plan of what we thought we might do, and we're trying to put it together and put together different pieces and, and uh, found some folks to come and sing for us. You're really going to be blessed by the songs that remain in our service today. <clears throat> but then I also uh, spoke to my wife, Alicia, and though, for those of you who might be visiting and don't know, uh, my wife, Alicia, uh, received a cancer diagnosis, a breast cancer diagnosis, earlier this year. And uh, I want to say thank you to this church because, yes, we've been going down this road, but you've been going down it with us. And you have been such a blessing to us. And I knew she would want to say something to you because this last Wednesday was her last chemotherapy treatment. And we are rejoicing in that. Amen. <clears throat> and we are greatly rejoicing in that. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to see if she could do just a little video and if, say a few words to the church. And so Brother Marvin Lohman came over to the house uh, with his camera, with the church's really good camera, and set it up. And then the Holy Spirit descended upon my beloved wife and gave her such important words that I just threw away everything I was going to say because there wasn't any way it was going to be as important as what God had given her, nor do I stand here with the credibility that she has as she speaks these words. So here's what's going to happen. You see in your program there's three sections of spoken words, and a couple of them have my name on them. You can just cross that off because we're going to listen to her words in three different sections, and we're going to have a couple songs in the middle of it as we go along. But I pray you're blessed by these words and that your heart will be open to receive it. These are the things that God gave her. The whole thing just sort of happened. She didn't make notes on it. It just was speaking from the fullness of her heart and appreciation for you all and for Jesus who is the gift who was given to us. So we will begin, and then at the first break, Mignon will come and sing for us, and that will be beautiful. And then we'll hear Alicia again, and then Raina will come and sing. We'll hear her again, and then I'll come back, and we'll wrap it up there. So, Patty, go ahead. Good morning and happy Sabbath. It's actually evening here. And it's a funny thing to think about all of you there and sitting. I watch you every Sabbath. It's very quiet here. And this is where I've been mostly for the last 20 weeks, either on my couch or in the bed. And, um, but you guys have been so present with me through your prayers and your support. Jeff asked me to say a little something to the Sabbath. And being a dutiful and obedient wife, I have said, okay. <laughs> if you're looking at um, the screen, you're probably looking at the screens right now, so beautifully depicted um, of, are things of importance about Jesus' life and the gifts either, to either side of the baptistry. And then down on, on the platform are gifts. And I want to talk about gifts today. I'm going to talk about three gifts today. The gift of community, the gift of suffering, and the gift of the word. 
So let's start with the gift of community because that is God's gift to us this side of the Jordan. And that gift has been so wonderfully displayed in you, my congregation, my friends, my family, my God. And um, I don't know how many of you have told Jeff that you pray for me daily. I want you to know that those prayers have been heard and felt that they support us and that we are honored and blown away by that. I've had people tell me um, that their church in Bermuda is praying for me. That um, one of the ladies at prayer meeting said, I, I belong to a prayer group and we meet on Sundays and they don't know you, but they always start their prayers for you with, and now we pray for our dear Alicia. And the support from our congregation in cards, in resources, in gifts, in visits has really been so beautiful and overwhelming. You've made your pastor and I cry many times. And as I thought about, you know, why? I've actually thought more about why have you been so kind than why cancer? because I know I live in a fallen world, but what would cause you all to be so kind? And as I thought about it, I thought about a couple of things. I hope some of it is because when I first came, I said, I'm gonna love you. And I do, and you have loved us back. Another reason, I think the biggest reason is when you're part of the body of Christ, and the Holy Spirit is running through your breath. I love the quote from Mrs. White that says, hearts that are filled with the love of God can never be very far apart. And I know I have prayed fervently for people I've never met. And that it was the Spirit of God in me who loved them that was praying through me. And I think that it's a testimony, church family, to the love and the Spirit of God in you that you would pour out such love to us. And a third reason I thought of, I'm not on Facebook and I'm, I'm not a big social media person. I don't listen to the news a lot, but I can feel the tension in the world and I hear it talked about, my students talk about it, my kids, my husband. There's a lot of uh, division. I think a lot more perceived division than there is in reality. There's a lot of darkness. There's a sense of doom. There's a sense of, can we get this back again? Or is, uh, are we just uh, running towards Gomorrah, not just slouching? And I think that when you hear so much bad news all the time from so many places, it can be discouraging. One of the things I prayed as soon as I got cancer was, oh, Jesus, every time the word goes out and someone hears that I have cancer, please be right there with your spirit to encourage them. Don't let them be discouraged by this news. But I think because there's so much division, darkness, turmoil, fires, earthquakes, interesting weather, violence, refugees, political upheaval, racial divisions. 
I think that in the people of the earth that still have good in them, and certainly in the people of God, we have this desire to do something. How can we give back? We can't address every problem and every need, every starving child, every abused child, every person without water. But we can do something about our pastor's wife who has cancer. I feel like that was part of it, is you found something to do in your sphere of influence, and you poured out love on us. I just want to say thank you, and it's made a really big difference to us, and that I hope we can love you as well as you have loved us. One of the amazing gifts that you guys have given me is the gift of cards. And they have come at just the right time, with just the right messages, Sometimes two or three will come and I'll save them and I'll read them on the way to chemo. But early on I decided I'm not throwing these cards away and I'm not going to put them in a basket in a pile. I'm very visual and they're so encouraging to me. I would like the visual encouragement after I read them. So what I do is I read the card and, um, and then I look at your name. And just in case I don't know the name and the face, I'll look you up in the directory so I kind of have a visual. And then um, I have strung them all around my room. I started in the bathroom, and then I've just strung them around. I started when I felt good enough in the bathroom, and then Gable and Nathan now recently have helped me string them up. I want to talk right now a little bit about the support of my husband. Um, if you've been here for a little while, you'll remember the sermon series where he talked about the Greek word hupomone. And if you know Revelation 14, if you've been an Adventist, you know it for sure. Um, if you're reading your Bible, um, it says, here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the testimonies. And it talks about the patience. In other place, it talks about the patient endurance. Sometimes it just says endurance. And that's what hupomone means. It means patient endurance. And I want you to know that my husband, your pastor, um, didn't just talk about that. The Lord has given him a very fresh opportunity to walk it out. Because it's a pretty difficult thing to watch your wife, who likes to get up and do things, mostly be in bed or on the couch, and to go bald and to be really sick sometimes. And it's a difficult thing to do all of the things that you have to do to keep the house going. And I have a new nickname for Jeff, Old Faithful, because he's gotten up every morning and read his Bible and uh, put the dishes away, the clean dishes away, and gotten Arielle up and taken her to school and does the laundry on Sundays and um, gets the groceries and has helped get out the meals that you guys have sent. It goes on and on. And um, I'm so grateful for him. And I'm really proud of him. And I'm really thankful for Gable, for example, who um, stayed home this trimester and has been caring for me so faithfully. One of the things with Taxol is neuropathy, where you can't feel the ends of your fingers well. And um, 
myalgia and joint pain. And it's said that a glutamine can help. It's a white powder. It doesn't taste great. It doesn't taste awful. And those of you who have had children, or maybe you're still raising babies right now, you can remember the little thing you're trying to get them to eat. So you take the little spoon and you zoom it to their mouth like an airplane or a boat. And all of that has come back to bless me because um, every morning Gable will get something to put the L-glutamine in and stir it up and he'll bring it to me and he'll say very cheerily, here's your L-juicamine. Or one time he put it in something worn and he said, here's your L-soothamine. And every time it's a little bit different and he tries to make it really attractive. And um, he's been such a blessing. Ariel is a joy. And I know you remember at Labor Day how Gable, Nathan, and Aaron shaved their heads. And Jeff, too, you may not have noticed the difference as much, but he did. And Ariel, a little cut in the back. Um, they've been so supportive and um, such a blessing. I have a friend who texted me, and she said, how are you letting all those people come over when you're so sick, when you're so sick? I don't, you know, I don't want to be around people. And I thought about it. And one of the things I thought is, you know, I'm going to be sick anyway. Might as well be sick around people instead of just alone. And there have been days when somebody has texted and say, I want to come over and bring something. And I thought, oh, I don't have the energy. And then the Holy Spirit would just say, why don't you just let him in church? Every single time, it has been such a blessing. Every single time. And I just want to encourage you. You know, everybody deals with illness different. And if you're an introvert, that may not be the thing you might want to just let a couple close people around. But it has been such a blessing to let you guys in. It's been a great blessing. Thank you for the food that you've brought. Um, and I just want to encourage you to be vulnerable and to tell people what you need and to tell people what's going on with you because we're not mind readers. And you, you may need help. You may be discouraged. You may be sick and maybe nobody knows. Pray and ask Jesus for good friends and help build community around you. Do what your grandma used to tell, tell you. If you want a good friend, be a friend.
on one of the boxes that you can see up to the left on the platform, and it's the gift of suffering. I teach a class called Issues in Grieving and Loss, and in that, in my resources, I have heard of people talk about the gift of cancer, and I've always believed it could be real, but it's always intrigued me, and I want to tell you it's, it's real. One of the first prayers I prayed um, when I found out that I had cancer is, Lord, help this bring me closer to you and closer to my family and help us all be closer to you. And the thing about let it not be a discouragement, let this bring people to you. And one of the things I prayed was, um, help me not to stay on the top of this. Because I'm determined to live for Jesus. I'm determined to live in hope. And I, but I don't want to just stay up here. There's a, a great quote by Khalil Gibran. It says, Joy and sorrow spring from the self-same well. And the deeper that sorrow carves into your being, the more joy you can contain. And it seems to me that 
there are times in my life where I need to be scoured out so there's more room for the Holy Spirit. I think it's the same kind of concept of the reason that why we do foot washing. Um, we don't need a bath again if we've been baptized, but just walking in this world can wound us and we wound others and sometimes we build up bitterness inside. Sometimes relationships aren't current. Sometimes there's sin or there's sadness and we just get full of stuff that blocks the channel of communication with God and with each other. And I just ask God during this time, don't waste my pain. Don't waste this illness. Get the good out of it. Do everything you can possible in me. And I want to tell you that he has. Cancer is a stripping process. It strips your hair, your eyebrows. I painted on my eyebrows today. I don't have any eyebrows. I used to have lashes. We've gone down to three on this side and eight on this side. It's a stripping process. And more than it strips you physically and strips you of, I haven't been able to work. I haven't been outside. It strips you of energy. It strips you of feeling good. But it also is a stripping process in that it strips away what is non-essential. And it reminds you of what is really important. And I've had a lot of time, and that's been one of the gifts of cancer. I have this tree here, and it's a great example of a stripping process. I actually love the trees that are barren in winter. I like to see the structure underneath. And when things are stripped away, it really lets you see, is the structure good? And it allows you to get to something that isn't. It allows God to prune things easily. It allows you to see if there is a character disease. I used to tell my kids, um, when I was trying to explain their character to them, that character is like a tree that grows up inside you. And when you lie or you cheat, and you keep doing that, it makes your tree bent over and gnarled and you want your tree to grow straight. So it allows God to get to things. And one of the things that I can say from this time is my relationships are better. My relationship with my husband, my relationship with my mom, my relationship with my children, my relationship with my cats are better because they've had more time and we can just hang out and um, God doesn't leave us stripped bare. At some point, the, um, the foliage will be back. My life will be full and rich again. That's what they say. The prognosis is good, 95%. They're saying chemo made me really sick. And it shrunk the tumor. I can't even feel it anymore. So I have every reason to hope that um, the stripping process will leave me healthier. So suffering, it is a gift because it brings into sharp relief, into sharp focus, what's underneath, what's real, what is the structure that's important. And I am amazed at how busy I can be when I can't even move 
and how I still had to plead for God, help me not to be Martha during this time in a way that is missing time with you and missing time with my family. Please help me concentrate on what's real and important, on the main things. Jesus never wastes our pain. He will not waste your pain. Anything we give him, all the broken pieces of, anything we give him, he will make something beautiful out of. One of the amazing things about our God is he's not just a creator, he's a recreator. He didn't just create you perfect. He's a restorer. He's a re healer. And I just want to encourage you. It may look really dark right now. God is working in it. If you can't trace his hand, as the song says, trust his heart. And ask him to help you get all the good of the pain and suffering. Because he'll make something good out of it. And good times will come again. Not perfect times with nothing wrong. We know this. The last gift I want to talk about is the gift of the word. Not just the word made flesh that dwelt among us, but I do want to focus first on Jesus. I love Christmas. I love remembering the remarkable, amazing story that no human could have made up of the God who would rather die than be without us. You want to talk about vulnerable. He who did not speak quality with God, but made himself nothing, becoming, um, leaving heaven, coming to earth, taking the form of human likeness, and then being obedient even to death, and not just any death, death on a cross. You know this story, but it is the greatest story ever told. I just think about the vulnerability. We watched the nativity again. I don't know if you've seen that. The vulnerability of Jesus. Have you held a baby? I wouldn't breathe full. I, I didn't fully exhale emotionally until my babies were three months old because they were so little and fragile. And when they were three, I thought, okay, they're probably going to make it these little babies, and that was God incarnate. And who did he send them to? A Middle Eastern peasant couple in a very volatile political situation. And they're the underdogs, and they have no power, and they have no money, and they have nothing to defend him with. That's where he went. There's such strength and weakness when you're trusting God with it. There's such um, vulner the vulnerability that we bring. There's such bravery in it. The courage to bring your vulnerability is modeled all the time in Jesus and in God. So there's the gift of Jesus, our Savior. And I loved hearing Jeff last week as, as he talked about the gift of Jesus. And one of the things that came out to me that I asked myself that I want to ask you is, you claim Jesus as your Savior. What is he saving you from currently? Are you letting him save you? Is there sin that you need saving from? Is there fear or anxiety? 
are you getting the, the good of your inheritance as an adopted son or daughter of God, a prince or a princess of the king of the universe? What is he saving you from? Are you letting him be a, a current savior? And Jesus is the gift that keeps on giving. Um, in John, in the prologue, he talks about, in the beginning was the word, and the word there for word is logos. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, somewhere else says. And Matthew talks about Emmanuel, God with us, that he tabernacles with us. His whole reason for being, for creating us was he wanted to be with us. And as sad and lonely as you are sometimes, and maybe you don't know it's a longing for him, or maybe you do, he is longing for us to dwell among us. Revelation says, finally, the dwelling of God is with men, and he will be their God, and we will be his people, nothing in between. The word that became flesh that dwelt among us, And there's another way in which the word becomes flesh and dwells among us. And that's what I want to talk about for my final point. The gift of the word incarnate as it dwells in us. So one of the disappointing things about this cancer, I mean the most disappointing thing, is that I thought I would have all this time to read because I love reading. I was too sick to read. It was so disappointing. I, sometimes it just reading made my um, eyes tired and made me sick to my stomach. And sometimes I just, my mind wasn't strong enough. And then one time my friend Julie was over here and I'm telling you, there are friends that stick closer than a brother. And she has been such a gift. I'm gonna try not to cry again. But she was giving me a massage because of all the myalgia and um, She's an I recite, which if you want community and the word of God, I really encourage you, first Friday night of every month, I recite with Julie and with Chris Lang and a bunch of other neat people. Cannot tell you how awesome that is. So anyway, we, we, we are always trying to memorize something. And her recent, we try to memorize chapters, full chapters. But her recent thing that she's been memorizing is something you know well. I know you know this first. It's Philippians 4, 4 through 8. And I asked her, what are you memorizing now? And I asked her to recite it to me. And that's something that I had memorized, oh, 20 years ago. And, um, and then the last part of it when I was a little girl. So you know this. But as she was, remem as she was saying it to me, I thought, I really need to rememorize this. And not just memorize it, but do it. And this is the one that says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Let your gentleness, your vulnerability, your trust in God, you're not being cynical, you're not being hard, you're trusting Him, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. It's not a God that's far off. The Lord is near. So do not be anxious for anything, but in everything, with prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, 
present your request to God. So you're worried about something? That's what to do. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, it transcends circumstances. It transcends politics. It transcends world suffering and personal suffering will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And I've heard it said that that image of guarding your heart and mind, it's like two things, like a Roman soldier. But it's also, I like to think of like that angel with a flaming sword. And when worries go around, I, I give the Holy Spirit permission and I think of him saying, is that really what you want to focus on, Alicia? That's a lie. Or that's a half-truth. Or you don't need to be worried about that. And that angel would just grab that lie and say, is this something that you want to keep believing? Is this an anxiety you want to keep feeling? No, Lord. And that angel would just take his flaming sword and destroy it. Peace is our inheritance as children of God. But we have to accept it. I think about Hebrews where it says work to enter that rest. But that rest is available to us, but we have to be purposeful. Do you remember, maybe they still sing it in Sabbath schools. If you want, you can sing it to me. Um, and kids, definitely sing it with me. Don't make me sing this on the video alone. I can't even really talk. But you remember this one? The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. And the rain came a-tumbling down. And you know how the rain came down and the floods came up and the rain came down and the floods came up and the rains came down. They need this rain in California right now to put out some fires. And the flood came up and the house on the rock stood firm. But what happened to the house on the sand, it went splat. Now you know that, but do you know, and I'm talking to the kids right now especially, what is the difference? What did Jesus say was the difference between the man who built on the rock and the man who built on the sand? What was the difference? Jesus said, they both knew his words, but the foolish man only heard the words of Jesus. He didn't do them. The wise man heard the words and did the words. And the Holy Spirit really said to me, do these words, rejoice, rejoice, not just because Emmanuel came to thee, O Israel, rejoice for that now in this Christmas season, but rejoice because he's still with us. Rejoice because the Holy Spirit has been left as a gift and it can indwell us. Rejoice because the Holy Spirit will point out the things that need to be cleaned out and will fill us every day, ask for the gift of that Spirit. Rejoice because you don't have to worry.
Finally, brethren, whatever is noble, whatever things are true, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, not the worst news, if there's any virtue in it, if there's any excellence, another version says, if there's anything praiseworthy, think on those things. Are we doing that? Are we focusing on the worst? Let me tell you what I am saying and let me tell you what I'm not saying about this last gift. I'm not saying be Pollyanna and pretend everything's good. I'm not saying bury your head in the sand. What I am saying is this. When you hear upsetting news on the world's situation or in our country or something in your family that just got texted to you, before your mind starts to take a dark path, why don't we actually do the word of God? And this is what I've been trying to practice. Because I try to stay positive, but the trend of my mind isn't always positive. And this chemo kills more than cancer cells, and it kills more than blood cells. It's killing brain cells. And it can be dark in there sometimes. 
And it's easy to concentrate on the hard and on the dark and on the unjust and on the lies and on the violence. But Jesus said, I don't want you to do that. That will do violence to you, my child. So what does he invite us to do in this? To rejoice? There's something about giving God thanksgiving that is, it just blows the plans of Satan away. Because he wants you to start to get so worried that you will go to something for comfort that will hurt you. Or that you will decide God's not taking care of this, I better do it. And you hurt that relationship. There are so many things that we do in our flesh trying to take over God's job when we worry that cause more trouble. But what does our text say to do? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Then it says, the Lord is near. You can be gentle and you don't have to be anxious. Get on your knees and talk to God. Talk to him out loud while you're doing the dishes. Write it in your journal. Invite a friend to talk to him. Lord, I'm worried about this. Present it with prayer and petition and then thank him because you heard me. And then leave that conversation as someone that knows that their Abba Father heard and cares and is going to do something. Because ooh, what is that without trust? What is that petition without trust? Leave it with a good God and believe he's going to do something. And then, now's the time with your mind. Don't focus on that thing. Don't focus on the negative. I want to talk about kids right now. I have four amazing kids. And I have four kids that still have character issues, like I do, and everybody alive that God's still working with. And there are times I need to address a character issue, or there are times I just need to pray about one, or I'm just worried about a situation. It's not maybe a character issue. And I can worry it to death. I can be a prayer worrier. I can do that, or I can decide I'm going to end this prayer and I'm going to end these thoughts on what's just and what's true and what's noble. I'm going to end it on what's excellent in them and what's lovely in them. And I'm going to thank God for that and I'm going to leave it with him and my mind is going to be left with the good things. I'm so glad Jesus commands me to do that. I'm so glad he commands me to rest. I'm so glad for his word. The gift of God's word, the word who became flesh and dwelt among us. And when we hide his word in our heart and then let it inform what we do, and we're not just hearers, but we are doers of the word, that in some amazing way, we become the word of God made flesh. I want to give you an example of this as I close. This has been a really tough year for a lot of people. And our church family is missing people. One of them is Rob Fulbright. He's left a big hole. And we pray for his family, his lovely family. Another big hole in my heart and life is Reg Matson who um, was a big part of our family for years since we were in seminary. His wife was my doula. She was at all of my children's births. And um, or the last one with Ariel, she was there that week, but not right during. 
Uh, Reg was larger than life. He was a mentor to so many men. He was a kind presence. And um, when he was killed in a car accident three weeks after Rob Fulbright, I just packed up and flew to Michigan. And I texted my friend who I know would have said, don't come. You know what, I'm here. I'm 20 minutes away. And you don't have to worry about me. You don't have to feed me. I have everything I need. And if you just need me to pray, I felt better to pray closer. But if you need anything, I'm here. And my friend was vulnerable, and she let me in. And for a week, I did every single thing I could, from holding babies to planning the funeral program. It was the neatest thing to be able to be used by God in those ways. Uh, every gift that I ever have had, I got to use that week. It's a gift when people let you in. One of the ways was when we were looking through Reg's Bibles. He had two especially that he had marked up. And as we read through for text for this funeral uh, sermon to be based on and to put in the program, I was so struck by the things he had underlined. And there were two themes. One was trust in God, because this incredibly successful businessman who was this man's man and larger than life, and he suffered from anxiety, but he overcame it in the word of God. And all these things about putting your trust in the Lord. And then the other thing was generosity. And that was Reg. When he came, he, brought, he, he flew his whole family out for Gable's birth and bought us a bassinet. He was constantly giving. He was one of the most generous people I've ever known, and his whole community knew him as that. And I read in Proverbs about generosity and in other places he underlined. And what I thought when I read it was, I'm reading about Reg. This is, this is what Reg wanted to be like when he underlined it, and then it's who he became. And I thought for the first time, the word became flesh and dwelt in Reg. Reg has become the word of God incarnate in a smaller way than Jesus, of course, but in a really real way. And so the gift of his word is making a difference in my life in more ways than I have time to tell you. And I just want to challenge you. Read it. Memorize it. Do it. Let it become a part of you that the Holy Spirit can say, you're worrying. Do you want to do that? Jeff and I have been challenged by a friend to read 1 Corinthians 13 to each other every night. He reads it to me. I read it to him. And we don't say, yeah, you weren't that, or I wish I had been that. We just read it and listen. And after about a week and a half of doing it, I got a text from Jeff that said, I'm sorry about how I acted the other night. I wasn't kind. I wasn't and he listed the things off. And two days later, I had to text him and do the same thing. I wasn't kind. I, I behaved myself unseemly. I didn't bear all things and believe all things. When the word is alive in you, the Holy Spirit can bring it to your mind and make a difference. 
And there have even been times that I went ahead and let the Holy Spirit bring it to me right then, and I didn't behave unseemly or rudely, and I didn't say that thing. The gift of his word and applying it is so huge. And it's the gift that can bring us peace. So I'm going to close now, and as I close, I want to ask you, what is Jesus saying to your heart right now? What gift does he want to bring you? Does he want to bring you depth and new relationship and new closeness with him in the midst of suffering? Does he want you to be part of community and be vulnerable and, or get out there and be supportive in ways you've never been before? Is he calling you into his word? Is he telling you, I want to save you from this sin. I want to save you from that worry. I know that one thing he wants to give you is peace. And as you listen to this remarkably talented woman sing Silent Night, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will speak to you what would give you peace today and in this Christmas season. Thank you for letting me talk to you today. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for praying. Thank you for visiting. And I'd just like to end by thanking Jesus. Jesus, you are the author and the finisher of our faith. You were the one who first loved us. You were the creator and the recreator. You were the restorer of relationships. You are the healer of bodies and of souls. And you're an awesome planner. And you're working out the plan of salvation. You didn't just hear it, you're doing it. You were invested with your life and with your divinity. You were invested in us. It encourages me, Jesus, to remember that you intercede for us. I'm praying to you, but you pray for us. How are we to lose when we have so great a Savior? Save us, Jesus, to the uttermost. Save us today from ourselves, from worry, from lies. Restore us in our relationships. Save us from fear and anxiety. And I pray that as we leave today, after hearing the word, after hearing the songs, that the Holy Spirit will just brood over us like a dove. And that truly each one of us on Saturday night will sleep in heavenly peace. Amen. The Word made flesh, God with us. Jesus came to be the way, but He also came to show the way, and He's given us His Word. So now, reflect, because if we don't pay attention, the season will get by, and we will have missed the moment when God was with us.
receiving the gifts. It's about giving. And so I want to encourage you, stand with us and give this song of praise, this song of Christmas, as our gift together to each other and to the Christ who was born for us. Let's sing together. For Christ is born of somebody to hug. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace. Go in peace and Merry Christmas.